Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hey there, and welcome to episode 118 of the Familypreneur podcast. Today's guest is a realtor turned international tax accountant turned startup CEO. She teaches and mentors women looking to leave the nine to five to start their own business and is passionate about empowering women, a believer in constant reinvention, and never takes herself too seriously. I'm excited to introduce you to the co-founder and CEO of One for Women, an online gift company that sources its products from women makers and gives back to nonprofits that support women and girls. Meg Wheeler. Hey, Meg, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I feel like this is going to be such a fun episode because we're going to confuse people with our names. Like my, my editor is not going to know who is talking. I love it. Meg um, squared. <laughs> right? <laughs> so much fun. I can't wait to, I feel like there's so much stuff I want to talk about with you. I want to talk about your business and how it's different from other businesses and your you know, journey into motherhood and parenting. and ba- There's just so many directions I want to go. Let's start, though, with your business stuff. So tell me about the business and how it came to be and your founding member. Yeah, absolutely. So I was actually working in finance and international tax. So very, very Ooh. fun <laughs> to probably no one but me uh, a few years ago. And, you know, the the 2016 election had happened and I had uh, given birth to my first son and I came back after maternity leave and I found out that my role was actually changing and it was going to focus on something that just really wasn't of interest for me. And so I thought, you know, this is my moment. I'm maybe never going to have this kind of a kick in the butt ever again. I had been feeling for a while like I wanted to do something that mattered more and have a bigger impact in this world. And so I just, I took that as a sign. I put in my notice. I had no clue what I wanted to do, but I I jumped ship. And so I went home. I spent the weekend trying to figure it out. And I pretty quickly decided that I didn't want to go work for someone else again. So I thought about some of the things that mattered most to me in my life. And one of the big ones is showing up for the people that I care about. And one of the ways that I do that is through small gestures, small gifts that I'll send them, cards, uh, text messages, things like that. And so that's where the idea of creating an online gift company came from. So my company is One for Women. We are an online gift company. We offer affordable gift sets for what we call the everyday moments in life. So things like job promotions and breakups. 
And, you know, our mission is really to connect and support women. So all of the products in our gift sets come from women makers and we give a portion of our proceeds back to nonprofits that support women. And so that was really born out of my desire to have a bigger impact in this world and do something that was more meaningful. So my co-founder for my company is actually my mom. My mom is such an amazing person. She's a, an elementary school teacher by day. And, you know, for many years of my life, she was a single mom. And so I grew up with this uh, vision or image of a very strong woman, you know, going to work to support her daughter. And it was just such an honor to be able to welcome her into the company and form this with her when I took my own very scary uh, leap. Uh, leaving my my stable job. So how does the, the dynamic work with you and your mom? Like, do you take on different roles? Did you bring her on for something specific? Yeah, we definitely take on different roles. We, we have learned very quickly that it is not best if we are both cooking in the kitchen at the same time, <laughs> uh, literally and figuratively. She is very much the creative mind in the company. So she does a lot of the work helping to, to choose what goes in the gift sets, She's helped with a lot of the branding work and really just any of the creative aspects. I'm much more of the analytical, the business, the operational mind. And so I run the day-to-day. She is still working as an elementary school teacher. So her time with us is limited, but um, she does what she can. And, you know, she really does bring that creative vibe. But it is very important that we have very separate and clear roles. And that is something that we have found (laughs) working together. And I think that's good advice. And I think that goes for any partnership. (laughs) Has it been weird working with your mom? I'm sure there's times I have to imagine that there's times where you may have to give her direction or like give her feedback. Is that an awkward process or have you kind of gotten used to it? It is an awkward process. So you know, it's funny. I have a couple of thoughts on that. The first is when when we first started the company, we talked a lot about how that dynamic would work. And although it was a very tough conversation to have, I was candid with her about the fact that someone had to be the boss. That as much as it sounds lovely that it's going to be 50-50, that just doesn't work. And so when we set up the company, we did have that tough conversation and it was decided that I would be the boss. And that ultimately that meant that I I made the final decisions. You know, I it's been so funny or interesting, I guess, watching her transition into, you know, we're not corporate, but I guess corporate life because she's an elementary school teacher. So it's been a lot of fun, you know, explaining things to her about, you know, email out of offices <laughs> and the things that we all take for granted in corporate life. Uh, that she's never dealt with because she's been a teacher her entire professional career. So that's been a little bit funny. Uh, Sometimes I don't have the patience for it, I will admit. Definitely, uh, (laughs) I definitely get a little bit antsy when I have to explain technology to her or, you know, get her set up on something. But it's, uh, but what she brings to the table, you know, makes up for that because she has so many valuable experiences and skill sets that, uh, that do make a difference in the company. Did she have any pushback when you approached her with the possibility? And I know I'm thinking of my mom sure. who like, I would love to pull her to the other side, if you will, like the entrepreneurial side. But my mom has a lot of pushback. She's not used to online businesses in general. So I'm just wondering if you had some of that pushback and if you did, how you overcame it? You know, yes, I think there has been some pushback. It's, 
I don't think it's the online business that is so tough for her. I think it's just, this is a very different role for her, both professionally, but also working for her daughter in a sense. And so I think, you know, we've, we've had our moments, but I think for us, the way that we've worked through it is to just try to be really honest about how we're feeling to know that we are going to fight. That's going to happen. There's no way to avoid that, but also know that we'll work through it. You know, I, I was talking to some investors very early on and they, they pushed back on me and, and basically said without saying that I was never going to get funding because my mom was my co-founder. And the thing I told them was, you know, I get the whole family and business thing, but at the end of the day, my mom and I have a relationship that has mattered for 30 plus years and is it matters so much more than a relationship with a just a random co-founder. So we're going to make this work. Like it's like a marriage, right? We're go- we're going to come back to the table to work through our problems because we have to for the sake of our relationship. We don't have the luxury of just saying, "Forget it, I quit the company, I'm out." So I actually think that that's a huge strength for us that unfortunately a lot of people sometimes see as a downside. So the investors see it as a downside because of that family relationship. Oh yeah. They're picturing, you know, two, two women, mother and daughter, like physically wrestling each other in the boardroom. (laughs) Do you think it would be different if it was a father and a son? Absolutely. 100%. So that was my first thought and I hate to like pull the gender card no. but, or you know, however you want to call it. But I'm like, yeah. I, I just can't help but wonder if it would be different if it was a father and a, a son or a father and a daughter. I think if it was a father and a son, it would 100% be different. I think the, the woman aspect is, uh, I did air quotes <laughs> since everyone's listening, people can't see that. <laughs> I think the woman aspect does play a role there. And you know, I've gotten that a lot from investors. And it's funny, actually, when people do find out my mom is my co-founder, women love it. Men go, really? Like they can't picture working with their moms. It's just, it's a very different relationship. So I've always found that interesting. So you also told me before the interview, a little story about growing up and your mom kind of bringing you to work. Can you share that story with us too? Because I think it's easy and we'll talk about your role as being a mom in, in a little bit, but it's easy being a mom to sometimes feel like you're in a pickle and, you know, maybe you want to get a babysitter for your kid or you wish that you had a babysitter for your child, but you don't. So you have to bring them along with you. And sometimes it can, it can be defeating. Like you can feel like you should have gotten a babysitter or maybe that your kids may resent you for dragging them to an networking event or something. But tell us about your experience. Sure. So actually years and years ago, when I was very little, probably four, I'm going to guess, my my parents, my mom was still married at the time. They both worked in the theater department at Penn State when we lived in Pennsylvania. And they would have evening, you know, theater rehearsals for whatever show they were putting on. And so they would bring me. And it's funny, I don't even, I mean, I wasn't part of their conversations, but I don't think that they even considered getting a babysitter. I think it was just, you know, money was tight and we'll just bring her along. And so I had my sleeping bag. And I had my little backpack of whatever I was playing with at the time. And I would sit in the back. And of course, I was supposed to be sleeping. But I remember watching the show. I was fascinated by all of the sets and the costumes. And just all of the acting was so interesting to me. So I would sit in the back. And I would like peek out from under my sleeping bag and watch watch everything going on. And it's it's I don't think about that moment very often. But when I do think about it, you know, I'm it's such a, a happy moment for me. And a very cool thing that I got to be a part of seeing what my parents were building. And I think that in many ways plays into my desire to have an impact in what I'm doing is I want to be doing work that 
is interesting and makes a difference. And in their own way, that's what they were doing then. So I'm, I'm really glad I got to be a part of that. And I love being able to make that connection with something that happened. Because I think for me, it might have been similar where I didn't know, I didn't see the impact until I really thought back on my childhood and asked myself, did I ever see this? And then I was able to like backtrack. And I talked about my story in episode one, so people can go back and listen to that. But, you know, you have to like think back and get there. So I love that you got there, that you found that moment as a child. Yes. Yeah, no, it's it it really does stand out in my mind. Awesome. Now, let's talk about you've since become a mom and that wasn't something you always saw for yourself, right? Yes, it was not. So I have uh I've been with my husband for 16 years. We've been married for 10. And when we first got married, I thought, "Oh, I'll probably have kids." I I was one of those things I never really thought about. I just sort of assumed we would. But then as and I was young when we got married. I was I think I was about 23. And so as I started to grow up and figure out my own professional career and who I was, I pretty quickly realized, you know, I don't really know how kids fits into this. They seem like a lot of work and kind of a cramping my, my style over here if I have them. Uh, you know, we love to travel. We have, you know, just very active lifestyles. My husband is a lawyer, so he works crazy hours. And so I really just, I, at one point I just kind of ruled them out. And for him, that was, that was tough because he really wanted to be a father more than anything. And I struggled with that because I wanted to give that to him, but I didn't know how that would fit into my life. And I felt very strongly that I not give up what I was building that mattered to me for kids. So, you know, it wasn't until we, I remember so vividly, we were sitting in our apartment in Chicago and he said to me, I just want you to know if it's only the two of us for the rest of our lives, I'm okay with that. And like something in me, the minute he said that just broke. And I was like, if he can make that sacrifice for me, and I believed him, like, I didn't think he was lying to me. Like, I believe that he had come, come to a very good place about that. I was like, I'm going to figure out how to do this for him. And so I spent, you know, probably the next two years really thinking about how can I balance having a child with what I want and talking to a lot of women who gave me the confidence that, you know, you don't have to give up everything to have a child. And so it, that was very, a very good process for me to go through. And I think it was necessary for me to go through to enjoy motherhood as much as I do and be in such a good place as I am now. You know, we did finally decide to, to try to have a baby and we did, we gave birth to our son or I gave birth to. (laughs) He worked very hard at that. (laughs) He he was, yeah, he was there, but it was, it was, I did the work. (laughs) I gave birth to Jack in, uh, in May of 2017. And, you know, I, I was very adamant going into that, that yes, life is going to change in some ways, but my priorities that matter to me are still going to matter to me. And so I've worked really hard to balance all of that. And I'm very happy to say that I have been, we still travel, you know, we, maybe we don't go out every night as, as often as we did, but you know, we've really figured out a way to make it all work, which is, is reassuring to me and hopefully to others that it doesn't have to be in one or the other. Sure. Now, can you take me back a little bit? When did you start Mm -hmm. One for Women in relation to Jack being born? So, okay. So I was pregnant in September, 2016. 
got pregnant in September 2016. The election happened in November, which rocked my world. That's I, I say that because it was such a big part of my story getting to this point. I also I knew when we got pregnant, I found out at 10 weeks that that Jack was a boy. My husband did not want to know. So I kept the secret the whole time. Oh boy. It was actually a lot of fun. But I found out that he was a boy the week of the election. And so on behalf of women everywhere, I was feeling like I had let down womankind for bringing another ah. boy into the world. So admittedly I went through a bit of a of a you know, depression over that. And it, it took me a bit of time before I came out of that and said, you know, this is my opportunity to raise a good man, you know, who will be an advocate for women. So that was, that was kind of 2016 into 2017. And then I took maternity leave. He was born May. I took the whole summer off and I came back in September and found out my job was changing. So I started one for women officially in November of 2017. So pretty much one whole year after kind of all of this motherhood started. Wow. Well, thanks for the, the timeline breakdown because I knew that like we told two sides of the story and I knew they overlapped somewhere. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> what did that process look like? Now you're, you're starting this business that wasn't also wasn't really in your long-term plan. You've got a baby that wasn't really in your long-term yep. plan. So like all your planning is now out the window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like my birth plan. <laughs> like, I don't know if you, <laughs> it reminds me of that process. Like yeah. you spent all this time making your birth plan and then labor happens and it's just like, goodbye. So yes. how did that look in those early days? Whew. Yeah. If you had asked me 10 years ago, I was going to be a partner at an accounting firm by the time I was 35. So I've definitely, definitely let that goal down. But you know, it's in some ways it was actually really easy. And in others, it was incredibly difficult. I think having the summer home with Jack was actually a really good introduction to my new yeah. life without me realizing it. Because I saw what freedom looked like. I saw what being able, we live a mile from the beach. So I saw what being able to go to the beach whenever I wanted looked like and really being the designer of my own day. Uh, now I had a newborn, so it wasn't completely my own day, but I, I got a, a taste of it. And so I think that helped quite a bit. So when I did finally take this jump, it was partially because I wanted to you know, bring back that life I had enjoyed. But I think a lot of it for me too was Jack became my my motivator. You know, now I had this little kid and going back to the way I was raised and this belief that it was my, you know, my my duty to raise this good strong man. I wanted him to see what a strong woman looked like and the importance of building something that mattered and having an impact in this world. So every time I faltered in that first year, I really thought about that. Like, And I know he was six months old and he probably didn't really know what was going on, but I kept thinking, like, how is he seeing me? What am I teaching him in how I'm acting right now? And what are some of the, the tools or the, the strategies that really helped you through those early days? My favorite strategy. <laughs> no, I, you know, all jokes aside, although that was certainly a part of it, I think just probably two things. I think the first was being really clear about what my why was. I'm, I'm really big about missions. And so that was one of the first things I did when I started the company was really wrote down mm -hmm. why I was doing what I was doing. And so anytime, you know, I would struggle or feel defeated or 
you know, not feel confident, I would look back at that and remember, you know, why I was doing what I was doing. But I think the other maybe more tangible one is I set a goal that I was going to focus on just one thing a day. And I think that was a holdover from maternity leave where you don't get a lot done. But I thought, okay, if I can set one focus a day, then my mind will be totally on that. I won't get distracted and I'll get it done. And it really did make a difference because especially when you're starting a business, you know, you're so overwhelmed. There's so much to do. And it, and when you're a mom, you're overwhelmed and there's so much to do. I mean, the the two are very similar. So, um, I think that really helped as well, just to keep my mind focused on what's one thing I need to do today to drive my business and my life forward. And I've heard that that's really the best strategy, that multitasking is... It's awful. Like mentally, like just not good for productivity. Yeah. I used to claim to be the queen of multitasking and now I almost always refuse to do it. And it's, it's crazy how much more productive I am. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome tips. So... I kind of want to circle back to to your business. Um, You mentioned that One for Women uses small gestures, right, to nurture meaningful relationships and that you support women in business. So can you just dive a little deeper? Because I really, I love everything that that business, that One for Women is doing. So I'd love for you to give some more information about how you're supporting women in business and then how people are using your gift-giving services. So when we first started, we really wanted to think about every step of the process and how we could have an impact at each point. So we looked at it as our customers supporting their friends and loved ones, together supporting women makers, and together all of us supporting nonprofits. So our customers will come to our site and they'll purchase our gift sets for anything from we've had uh, job losses, we've had loss of loved ones. We've had a few breakups. We've had uh, the ones I love. We had a uh, a boss who fired someone and she was about to sue them for discrimination. So I thought that was, <laughs> I liked that gift set. I was like, that's all right. <laughs> that was an interesting card to write. Yeah. Right? <laughs> We've had um, promotions, you know, and, and it's been great to see what the promotions are for. They're in corporate, they're in the military. We've had promotions that have been celebrated. We've had uh, pregnancies, new babies. We've had the loss of babies, the loss of pregnancies. It's it's really run the gamut. And it's it's wonderful to see all of the moments that people are finding to support each other. And I'll tell you one of my favorite moments this entire process was when someone I actually know sent a gift set to someone else. And I think it was for a job promotion, if I'm remembering correctly. And she actually loved her gift so much that she came on and bought a gift for someone else. So I really loved that it was having a a trickle effect. So that's really the first piece of it. And then because all of our products come from women makers, every gift set we sell is benefiting those makers. And, you know, we buy all of their products up front. We stock them as inventory so that they have cash in hand right away to go back and building their businesses. And that's really important for us, unlike some other business models where they may ask makers to donate product or give it to them at a very deep discount. We don't do that. We really want to actually support those women. And then the last piece of that model is the give back piece. So we give back a portion of our proceeds to nonprofits. We specifically choose nonprofits that are working to help women rise up in some way. We love it if that's in business, 
but that's not required. We look at everything from are they impacting women's education, women's health, you know, women's support systems to direct nonprofits that actually do get more women in business. So that's, we try to look at every piece of the process and think about how we can have an impact at each point. And I love how, I just love how comprehensive that is, like that all of the stuff is made or sourced from a woman, a woman-owned business. And then it, it just ripples out from there. And so I also love, if it's okay that I call out some of the price ranges, that they're not ridiculously expensive. Because there are a lot of, like, I remember wanting to send my mom like a fruit basket or like a fruit bouquet or, or things like that. And they're not cheap. No. So like being in, I remember being in college and wanting to send her like a fruit bouquet and in college, you know, you're, you're poor. So like trying to come up with like the 50 or 60 is what I'm remembering. That might not even be accurate, but it's a lot of money. And you've got stuff, even the the small gesture gift boxes start at like 20, 25 bucks. Yeah, we do. So our, our least expensive gift set is about $20. We go up to about 80 and actually this hasn't rolled out yet, but by the time this episode comes out, it probably will. We're actually taking our most popular gift sets. A lot of them are at the higher price points and we're creating a mini version so for example, our birthday in bobbles, which I, I think is about $60, we're going to be creating a mini birthday in bobbles. So you can buy that at a lower price point, around $30, $35, and still get to send one of our most popular gift sets. So we're constantly trying to come up with ways that we can make gifting easier for women. And I love it. And I used the service to send a gift over the yes. holidays. <laughs> and it was, honestly, I was like, oh, shoot, Christmas is... In like two weeks, it sneaks up on me sometimes. I live in Phoenix, so it it never gets cold here. I'm from New York, so like I kind of expect to be chilly before Christmas, and it it doesn't happen here. So Christmas snuck up on me, and I was able to send her, my VA, a really nice little gift package. And I just liked knowing that when she got it, she would be able to learn about the organization too and know that it wasn't just a gift for her. You know, I didn't just give a gift to her. I gave a gift to her and to the maker and to the organization. It like ripples out. Yes. And, you know, I love hearing that because that's honestly what that's why we're doing this. And we're actually in the new year working on ways that we can help share those stories even more so that our recipients truly understand the power of that gift set. Yeah. Well, I love it. So thanks for coming on the show today to talk about the business, but also share some of that insight into working with your mom and, you know, juggling a baby and a a business move that weren't really, I don't want to say weren't planned. That's not what I'm trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like it gives a different connotation when you say a baby wasn't planned than if it was like a baby who wasn't always in the, in the vision. Not planned, but very much wanted. Right. Right. (laughs) So I love that. And I hope I'm like, I'm going to give this one to my mom to listen to. So maybe she'll (laughs) be like, oh, I should, uh, I could totally work with you. And maybe, maybe just maybe next year, (laughs) my mom will be like the new member of my business team. We'll see. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Meg. It's been awesome. Thanks so much for having me. You'll find all of the links mentioned in this week's episode and the show notes at megbrenson.com slash 118. I would love to have you join me in the free Facebook group where other listeners of this podcast and other familypreneurs are getting together to talk about the issues that matter most to us when it comes to both building our business and raising our families. Head over to familypreneurcommunity.com and join the group today. 
I hope to see you back here on Friday for my family reflections and on Monday for Marketing Monday. Next Monday, we're going to talk about something that gets asked a lot. We're going to talk about the difference between profiles, pages, groups, and how to determine where you need to be and where your business needs to be represented. Until then, have a great night, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Bye. Did you know that my mom has a Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, and more? Her username is The Meg Brunson. Just about everywhere. You should go follow her.